Hello, funky plants, and welcome to another episode of Funk Radio. This is your host, Kyle. And this is your host, Peter. Are, are you calling our listeners plants? Are you are you saying that humans don't listen to our podcast? It's just I'm we're s- just playing out loud to plants? Yes, I'm saying that most of our listeners, especially on our Facebook page, are actually just plants and not people. <laughs> but then that goes into the question, are plants people? Can plants feel? Hmm. Can plants scream? Can plants love? It's like uh, it's like that movie Fern Gully. <laughs> plants have feelings. So, yeah, t- today's topic is a very strange one. Uh, if you didn't guess, it was about plants. It's not any um, more strange than the Mr. T's album that we did last time. True. Uh, well, Mr. T was at least trying to get kids not to do drugs. These these are trying to get plants not to do drugs. Some plants are drugs. <laughs> I was going to say a lot of this, a lot of the subject matter around this, I honestly think involves stimulating growth of like pot plants. Huh. Okay. So, um, I'm I'm kind of going into this fairly blind. I know the topic is generally music for plants, and I'm assuming. That means either, and you know, you'll correct me, I'm sure, but people who believe that plants have some sort of feelings or stimuli that react to music, yes, or involving that or not, some theory that certain types of music help plants grow more. Also, yes. So I don't, I don't know. That's kind of a guess, but I don't really. You're know. right on. You're right on both counts. Um. That's actually a good segue. Uh, so in the 60s and 70s, people were really into plants and nature and environmentalism and all that hippie shit. Uh, so much so that people thought that plants had a sort of sixth sense where they can see dead people. No. Um, where they can like sense music frequencies in a way that we can't that stimulated their chemical processes it's hard to explain basically where all of this stemmed from pun intended uh i can't believe it oh there's gonna be lots of plant puns in this episode you better strap in there's these two guys peter tompkins and christopher bird who wrote this book in 1973 called the secret life of plants not to be confused with The Secret Life of Pets. Yes, I think that movie was actually sort of a play on this title. Hmm. Uh, so these two guys, Tompkins and Bird, recounted experiments that they did around the planet that supposedly proved that plants were actually far more complex than we give them credit for, and they were cosmically attuned beings. Uh, so what were these two guys smoking while they were doing all this? obviously plants the the, the uh, same plants that they were testing on yeah and one of the central claims uh of the of their book is that the health and productive growth of plants could be affected not only by playing music for them but by playing specific kinds of music it's kind of like do you remember you remember in the, like the 90s when all of a sudden there was this wave of like parents playing mozart for babies or they were playing like mm. classical music for the babies while they were still in the womb because they thought it made them smarter yeah is that not still a thing 
I don't know, probably. Uh, this is like a dumber version of that. <laughs> so, yeah, so this Tompkins and Birds wrote this book, 1973, and this book then inspired a handful of different artists during the time to actually compose music for plants. Hmm. One of the more famous of which was this guy, Mort Garson, who was a Canadian-born composer, songwriter, and pioneer of electronic music. He's best known for his albums in the 60s and 70s, and he was actually one of the first uh, artists to use Moog synthesizers. Hmm. So this guy, Mort Garson, came out with an album called Mother Earth's Plantasia, which he released in 1976, which was a series of Moog synthesizer compositions designed to be played for plants. According to his daughter, Garson actually made the album because he was inspired by her mother's, or I guess his wife's plants. And the funny thing is, despite the limited production at the time, the album became like this weird cult hit, uh, maybe like a decade ago, like 2010-ish. Oh, weird. Um, Yeah, like resurged uh, in the 2010s and became like this weird cult thing that like vinyl enthusiasts and music enthusiasts in general were scrambling to find because there weren't a lot of copies to the point that another record producer at the time decided to reissue it. Kind of actually want to buy it because it it sounds kind of interesting. Um, So this guy who who made this album, so he was already doing other music and then he was like, hey, these guys are doing these studies and my wife has plants and I make music. So I'm going to, do, do you know exactly what his inspirations were? I don't know how he stumbled upon it. I do know that the secret life of plants was actually one of the best selling books in okay. 1973. So it's not unusual to assume that he read it or came across it. Right. Okay. Uh, and was inspired in part by that. And the fact that his wife owned a lot of plants. So I think honestly, the, I think the book, because it was a big bestseller, and it, it, it talked about using things like synthesi- synthesizers to stimulate plants. I think it was sort mm-hmm. of a stepping off point for a lot of early electronic artists or people messing with synthesizers at the time because they could create certain tones. Yeah. Um, that the book says supposedly, you know, helps plants grow. Well, this, this was really when electronic music was really in its like infancy as well. Exactly. There's a lot more like experimentation of just like, people figuring out what they could actually do with it. Exactly. So, yeah, I think a lot of these artists that we're going to talk about, basically, were just, like, using this subject matter as an excuse to kind of just, you know, play around creatively uh, with um, electronic tones and frequencies mm. and shit. Um, let's play a little clip of Mother Earth's Plantasia. Um Peter, I'll let you decide what that is because this song is 30 minutes long. <laughs> okay. So is the entire album one just... Y- yes, the entire okay. album of Mother Earth's Plantasia is a 31-minute kind of not never-ending song. There's not actually tracks because it. it's just meant to be just put on, played, because plants don't grow in three-minute intervals, I guess. So <laughs> you're supposed to put it on loop. I don't know. The 
this kind of sounds like it should be like the soundtrack for like a Stanley Kubrick movie or something. <laughs> I can see that. That's interesting. I, at least the small piece of it I heard was more delightful than I was expecting. Uh, I know, right? Like, I thought it was just going to be like, you know, like dog whistle. Like, you can't really actually hear it at some like super low frequency or something. Well, well from what I was expecting to hear, I thought it was going to be a lot more ambient synth noises or something uh mm. more so than actual music that's not that's not bad though i mean as a human i i could probably listen to that obviously for a half this hour mean, <laughs> I don't know. obviously this means you're part plant maybe so yeah so even though this this album mother earth's plantasia it wasn't really it wasn't the first album touted as being for plants it ended up becoming one of the most famous um to the point that collectors uh, have been kind of scouring and looking for the album hmm. uh, over the years because of its limited uh, production run. So yeah, I'm, uh, I'm curious. So did you did you say what why it became popular again all of a sudden? Oh, Do you know what, what uh, that was about? I I think it was kind of coinciding a little bit. Let me let me pull the article up. Uh, I think it was coinciding a little bit with the resurgence of plant love i know i read i've read many different articles that actually say that millennials you know us um are really into plants in general because i guess we can't afford pets or children um well they're a lot they require usually they require a lot less responsibility yeah i think i think that's i think that's part of it too it's like you're caring for a thing but it's a really easy thing to care for as opposed to a dog or child um, so right. I think it kind of coincides with that kind of resurgence of, uh, people being really into plants and also into electronic music. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just going to call yeah. out NPR really quick. Uh, yes. with the article they did, it. I think that was a big inspiration for this. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I stumbled upon this, uh, article on NPR and that's what kind of inspired this whole episode. So I am riffing a little bit, uh, off of it the original article is by eric ducker uh and maybe we'll throw that up on our uh uh facebook page or something so you can read more about it because we're not going to go as in depth as this article did Hmm. but yeah uh basically it says here too that um a uh brooklyn-based sacred bones records uh is the one that actually reproduced or reissued the album uh on vinyl I guess they first heard Plantasia, or the the owner of Sacred Bone Records, Caleb Bratton, first heard Plantasia in the early early 2000s when a co-worker told him about a cheap copy that was in like a used bin. And since he was already kind of into weird old electronics records, Hmm. it kind of caught his ear. So the fact that it was kind of reissued during the rise of records becoming popular again in like the early 2010s, Hmm. uh, I think caught wind for a lot of like plant owning hipsters <laughs> so that's interesting yeah this is one that i actually kind of do want to keep an eye out just because it's if i can find it cheap it'd be f- a fun thing to own just to say i have it right so this mort garson guy obviously wasn't the f- last person to make a record uh about plants or for plants other artists started making records that were either designed for plants or and I'm not kidding in collaboration with plants. <laughs> so okay. I don't know if it's like, you know, 
hey, we got Kanye West featuring Ficus. <laughs> uh, or if it's just like they have Snoop plants. Dogg featuring weed. <laughs> that's every that's every album. Every Snoop Dogg song. <laughs> I don't know if it's just a matter of like they had plants in the studio while they were recording, or if like they just put like a, a fern plant next to them while they were recording, and then just like paused and let the fern sing for a little bit. I... Fern solo. So this other guy, this uh, French composer who. I kid you not, his name is Roger Roger, which makes me think of the Star Wars meme. He released an electronic classical hybrid, and I'm going to butcher this because I don't speak French, called De la Musique et das Secrets pour Enchantar vos Plantes, which means music and secrets to enchant your plants. Hmm. <laughs> Let's play a little clip of it for our listeners so they can be enchanted as well. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't really know what to say. I, I guess <laughs> I I was gonna say I, I'm not as on board with this one as I was for Plantasia. Yeah, at least from what I've heard of it, I don't know. So, well, we we don't really have to understand it though, I and mean, we're we're not. Plants. Yeah, we're not plants. That's true. It's a very good point. Plants are just like, oh man, I fucking love this song. Plants like this is my shit. This is my jam. You just see plants like bobbing. So we finally are now getting to the real reason we're doing this episode. It's because our Lord and Savior Stevie Wonder uh, got in on the plant business. So we had to talk about this. He came out with a album called Journey Through the Secret Life of Plants uh, in 1979, which is a double disc, which means twice as much plant music. It's a double disc soundtrack that was actually for a documentary film version of the Tompkins and Bird book, Secret Life of Plants. So this book was huh. so popular that they made a movie of it and they got Stevie Wonder to do the soundtrack. I've never heard of this. I know, right? Huh. This is like, I think, something that like Stevie Wonder like erased from all of our memories because he didn't want us to know about it. This is... I thought I had every Stevie Wonder album, by the way. I don't have this album, huh. so I need this album. And it's a double disc one at that. And That's it's a double funny. disc. Uh, this one, I, I, I dig this one more than the others because it actually has vocals. Uh, oh, it does, okay. Some of the songs are... This one is actually broken down into songs, unlike the others, too. I'll play, we'll play one of them first, and then we'll, we'll talk about, I guess, how other people received this album. Um, okay. This song we're going to play is just called The Secret Life of Plants by Stevie Wonder. And what we see as insignificant provides the pure But who am I to doubt? Hmm. She's not bad. Yeah, I mean, it's Stevie Wonder. At I know, right? <laughs> more or less the height of his popularity. Um, unless that might be a little bit late for him, I guess. I'm trying to remember. But still. Yeah, basically, when he released this album, uh, he confused his fan base. Uh, because <laughs> yeah. uh, it was very... 
artistic. And there was even a song that in which he narrated the song from the perspective of a bug caught in the jaws of a Venus flytrap. Hmm. Uh, he also sang a love ballad to a black orchid. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> Stevie so was definitely smoking some plants while he did this. So what? So what albums of his are? It does this fall between? Then I'm curious about that. Uh, this is actually kind of at the end of his sixties or sixties, the end of his seventies run. Uh, okay. I th- this is after songs on the key of life, but okay. before the woman in red. Hmm. So, uh, songs in the key of life, I think was probably one of his biggest albums. And then he came out with this right after or th- three years after, uh, so I think people were just like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> uh, I, Even I though s- they, I'm, so, I'm assuming most people were familiar with the book and or the movie at this point. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I guess even with that context, they were still like, "Why?" They were kind of just like, "Why, Stevie?" This? Yeah, I will say that Stevie's uh, string of albums from the '80s were uh, a little less good than most of his <laughs> '70s stuff. So. Yeah. Um, and late 60s stuff. So I think this was kind of like the beginning of like the latter half of his music career, you know? Um, yeah. Even with the knowledge that he's still doing stuff today. Yeah, yeah. Um, with the, the latter half being like three or four decades. Yeah, exactly, right. Because, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he popped out albums. It sounds like he's having children. Uh, he, well, he had like 10 kids too, didn't he, or something? Yeah, true, yeah. He even after seventy nine, he still popped out like seven more albums between nineteen eighty and two thousand five. Mm. So busy man. So yeah, this album. I mean, it wasn't received poorly, but it kind of also just kind of confused his his fan base. As like you know, why why are you doing an album about plants? Right. Um, so now we come to the uh, disappointing part of this episode. Um, Sadly, let's face it, that was the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> so, let's face it, that's when I started talking. Um, <laughs> over time, unfortunately, most of the experiments referenced in the book, The Secret Life of Plants, were discredited. Um, oh. They weren't desi- the experiments weren't designed to rule out other explanations that were equally equally plausible for the results of the plants' stimulated growth. Uh, and the experiments also couldn't be replicated by other researchers. Therefore, it sounds very non-scientific. Exactly. Therefore, within the scientific community, they were basically like, "This is bullshit." Uh, and when did that book come out? Was that was like a decade ni- earlier, right? Nineteen seventy-three. Oh, okay, say not that, but still, that's almost a decade. Yeah. So basically, yeah, because even though they wrote this book, it was really popularly selling, it convinced a lot of people to play music for their plants, other actual, I don't I guess, botanists or whatever, plant biologists. Plant enthusiasts. Uh, yeah. Couldn't actually reproduce the results, therefore it didn't really have any scientific foundation. Mm-hmm. The idea of a, an experiment being that if something is true, you can reproduce the results. Uh, and then write, you know, a science paper on it or whatever. Um, yeah, according even to um, a scientist who was quoted in the NPR article, Heidi Apple, who is a plant biologist and professor at the University of Toledo, she said, 
We know that plants have all the same kind of senses we do, but they don't have specialized organs for them. As in, like, hmm. they they can sense a lot of the same things human can sense, but they don't have, like, eyes and ears and noses and mouths and shit. Do we know that they can sense all that stuff? I think they have determined that plants have pain receptors, but yeah. how they interpret that pain is still kind of not known. Weird. Or if, or if they can interpret that pain. Um, they, so basically, th- she's saying that, like, even if they can... Uh, sense pain in some way or another they can't like (laughs) interpret music yeah exactly so despite i guess this kind of being considered pseudoscience i guess in recent years this concept of plant music has resurged uh coinciding with the resurgence of people owning plants and growing plants for drug reasons so, yeah, I guess, like, this, uh, there's a, a new generation of some artists that uh, are in kind of the ambient electronic music community that have embraced the idea of making music in really odd ways that try to foster a connection with plants. So, yeah, one of these new artists that's making um, sweet, sweet plant music is this guy, uh, this DJ B. Ashra from Germany. He uh, has an album on Bandcamp um, called Music for Growing that he made specifically for nurturing hemp plants by using Mm. what he calls THC's molecular frequency of 10.77 hertz. God, what the fuck are these people? (laughs) I mean, I know what they're smoking, but it's just like, where does this stuff come from? I don't know. I guess I just don't understand. I'm not in that whole... I'm not a plant. Culture. Um, And I'm not a plant. So, yeah, I want to play a little clip of this this album, because it's, again, it's not bad. It sounds like... Wouldn't it be like 4.20 hertz or whatever? Oh, I get it. But but 4.4 hertz, I don't think anybody can hear that. But plants probably can. Humans can barely hear below 20 hertz, I think. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, let's play a little, little clip from this guy's hour and 13 minute long single song album called Music for Growing. So this is exactly what I was imagining when we were first starting this topic and we were going to listen to Mother Earth's Plantasia. I was expecting something like this. Okay. So there you um, go. It came full circle. But yeah, it did. That also sounds like something you could totally listen to while you're tripping balls. Oh, yeah. I don't know it's, weed necessarily. I don't. There's probably other drugs that are more hallucinogenic that would be better for that. But yeah, I don't really know which ones. <laughs> A guy's like listening to the song. He's like, dude, I can feel my ears growing. (laughs) Like I was saying, this resurgence in plant-based music sounds really weird. It's like vegan. It's, (laughs) I always wanted to make a terrible joke. I was like, is this what vegans listen to? (laughs) (laughs) This, uh, plant music 
it coincides with a renewed interest as I guess the houseplant industry right now is also booming. Is that because of the whole thing with the millennials or? Yes. Basically, millennials living in cities and expensive-ass apartments can't afford pets or children, so they buy a whole fuck ton of plants instead. Uh, hmm. Plus, I think we as millennials kind of understand the the need for greenery in our lives to kind of make us happier, you know, vitamin C, all that shit. This renewed uh, plant love uh, has actually caused an entire side industry of plant management apps and plant delivery services. So I, I guess I shouldn't be surprised. Yeah, so basically Silicon Valley has got on, gotten in on the plant boom and there's plants to help or there's apps to care for your plants. There's delivery apps to deliver you plants that you can order. So because, I, I I guess yeah. I didn't realize this was such a thing. I didn't either. Now I mean, I, I I knew a little bit. There was always kind of that joke because I've read, you know, all those articles shitting on millennials and a lot of them are like, you know, millennials are foregoing children and and buying plants instead. Uh, yeah, I have heard that, but I didn't so, realize there was such like a boom. Oh, yeah, I didn't either. I didn't realize it was like this whole cottage cottage industry. I don't know if that's a pun or not. I don't think so. <laughs> no, I was like thinking like oh it's like a it's a greenhouse industry but that sounds stupid well that industry is making plenty of green now oh leave leave the puns to me peter (laughs) i i did a quick search on like you know why millennials are buying plants i finally figured it out according to bloomberg millennials are buying instagram friendly flora to basically have as background shit for their instagram photos because hmm. plants are photogenic <laughs> I, well, it adds, I mean with no pun intended it adds some life to your yeah setting i suppose yeah you know, uh, whenever, exactly whenever you see like hipster like pictures of like dwellings and stuff you always see like plants in the corner or else it kind of makes a house feel yeah. sterile um so yeah i get okay. that i get that i guess uh, yeah. Well, I think there's something to say about like the shift in like having kids later in life or not at all. Yeah, and yeah. just the general—I don't want to make generalizations, but the, the general trend of millennials being seen as low in wanting responsibility for things. Um, mm-hmm. So, the plants generally are on the easier end of the spectrum. True. And yeah, if if it spices up your uh, Instagram, then can't complain about that. Plus, too, I think there is something to be said about even if even if we can't make music to soothe plants, I think plants are in, inherently soothing to us as humans. Uh, just from an evolutionary standpoint, I know right. they've done lots of studies that humans gravitate towards the color green simply because it evokes a sense of being in nature. I think they, mm-hmm. I forgot where I read this, but they, they sometime they did this one study where they put people in like different blank rooms that just were one purely painted one color mm-hmm. and for like four hours or something. And then asked them like what they were feeling uh, after being in each room for that long. And people were most relaxed in, the room that was green and they became the most uh like 
angry and uh, what's the word anxious uh, in the room that was red. So I seem to remember reading something about this and like right? the one the one that was like Pepto Bismol pink yeah. made people really nauseous. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that coincided because because I, I remember in that article they even talked about there there was this one prison in Illinois where they painted like the hallways pink to try to soothe the prisoners, but it ended up making things worse (laughs) (laughs) because they thought, Oh, pink is a calming color. And it's like, no, it actually just made people more irritable. (laughs) So yeah, plants are good for people. People aren't good for plants. I guess that's an interesting um, irony of the whole thing is that we're trying to soothe plants, but actually plants are the things that soothe us. I do, yeah, I do think this kind of coincides too, especially among millennials, with our the fact that we're more attuned to the the fact that we're destroying the environment, and mm. I think millennials see, you know, caring for plants maybe as some small way of saying, you know, hey, I'm, you know, trying to restore the environment as opposed to destroy it. I don't know. So I guess the the rise in popularity in plants in the seventies, as I assume, was. Maybe partly for that reason, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the the environmentalist kind of, I shouldn't say resurgence, I guess, emergence yeah. in the 70s um, due to things like Three Mile Island and, uh, and Nixon established the EPA and all that stuff. People started to care a lot more about um, what we were doing to the environment. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's about all I got on the history of music for plants. I'm sure there's more than other, I was expecting. <laughs> right? I'm sure there's other albums out there. I'm sure there's other artists out there. These are just a handful that were highlighted. Um, and we had to talk about Stevie Wonder, of course. If you uh, listeners are familiar with any other artists that have made music for plants, or if you play music for your plants, <laughs> uh, have your plants comment to us uh, on our Facebook page and tell us what their favorite music is. Our Facebook page is facebook.com slash getyourfunk. But more importantly than supporting the Facebook Corporation, um, we we also have getyourfunk.com, which is our own website. Which is better. It's it's not powered by Squarespace or any of that shit. Um, (laughs) You can just go there and listen to other episodes that are not about plants, but they have us in it. It's actually powered by plants. (laughs) I just... I don't know why I imagine like this little plant on like a hamster wheel. <laughs> but it's not doing anything. It just sits there. <laughs> well, I was imagining it running. But Oh. <laughs> thanks for listening. Um, we hope you learned something. And if you didn't, well, maybe you'll learn something from a different episode. Yep. This has been your host, Kyle. And this has been your host, Peter. Um, we have to leave you now. But we won't be... Fern away. Oh, that, sure. that, was, that wasn't as good. Okay, bye. We're keeping it. Okay. <laughs>